covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. And we do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We have our season preview edition of the program today. As uh, coming up in just a little bit, we're really going to be uh, taking a look at all the narratives and storylines from each position group uh, as we continue to get set for the Brewers season opener to come on Thursday and the Brewers home opener, which will come a week from Monday. Let's get uh, our normal housekeeping items out of the way before we really get rolling. Uh, if you do listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and want to leave a review or a ranking, that would be very, very much appreciated. Uh, if you uh, listen on one of the other platforms, you're good. If you go to WTMJ.com and listen, even if you listen on Apple Podcast and you just don't want to take the two minutes or whatever it is to uh, leave a review, I'm not mad at you. I appreciate you being uh, somebody who listens to the podcast. But if you do want to take a moment and uh, leave a review, that would be very, very much appreciated. If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so multiple ways. Uh, first off, the easiest way to do so is via Twitter at Matt Pauley on air. M A T T P A U L E Y on air is the Twitter handle. You can tweet at me and uh, I'll uh, get back to you. You can also always drop me an email, matt.pauley at wtmj.com. For your Twitter folks, I did uh, send out a question. We review this, uh, we, uh, we record this, I should say, on Sunday evenings, and I sent out a tweet on Sunday. I've never really done this before. I know a lot of podcast do mailbags and, and things like that I didn't want to go that deep into it but I threw out a thing that if you got a question or a comment or a conversation that you kind of want to um, see ha- have it uh, take place to uh, go ahead and tweet at me I got a few responses to it and uh, I'll address those tweets coming up late in the program so after we get done with everything make sure to uh, be tuned in especially if you were one of those folks that uh, tweeted at me I will uh, touch on uh, all those uh, storylines coming up late in the podcast so let's go be coming up here in just a little while. Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation is set to join us during our social media conversation. That's going to come up in just a bit as we are going to go uh, position by position and uh, go through kind of a preview to this upcoming season and certainly look forward to doing that. Generally, if you listen to this podcast, you know that this opening segment, I generally have some sort of a monologue or something that, uh, you know, a storyline from last week and I give you my take on it. I don't really have that for you this week. Man, there's there's so many compelling storylines about this Brewers team, but quite honestly, we've touched on all of them. Um, there were some things that happened this past week. You know, it's a it's a bummer that Giovanni Gallardo is not going to be on this team. It's not a bummer in the sense that uh, you were expecting big things out of him this year. It's just a bummer that a guy who has a great history with the organization is not able to have a round two. Um, We'll see what happens with Junior Guerra. He was sent down. But really, we've touched on the big storylines. We'll we'll have to wait and see if Jesus Aguilar is going to be on this team for the long term. It looks like he'll make the opening day roster. But by the time that they need a fifth starter, that might change. But we've touched on, on Aguilar and his position on the team. I think the main thing I take out of this is it seems like this has been a really long spring training. And now spring training is coming to an end. And really a lot of the storylines that have existed through spring training going to continue to exist. I think the the how much Ryan Braun plays first base versus how much he plays the outfield thing is going to be something that we're continuing to watch throughout much of the season. And we might not have a real firm handle on how much he's actually going to play at first base until a month or so into the season. I mentioned Aguilar. Are they going to find a way to keep him on the 25-man roster and have a five-man pitching staff and have a full selection of bullpen arms? Well, at the very earliest, we'll figure that out by day eight or day nine of the season, whatever it is, once they need that fifth starter. Um, things happen, too. That's that's the other thing. I, I say this all the time. You You don't cut bait on an asset until you absolutely need to. And something that happens in baseball is things just work out. It happens so often. Things just work out. And sometimes... It's by the club's doing, and sometimes it's not. But how many times have you seen a situation where 
a guy is ready to come off the disabled list and you think he's going to be able to produce, but you have no clue what spot on the roster he's going to fill. And then what do you know? Somebody else suffers some sort of injury and that buys you a little bit of time. So not that I'm rooting for an injury, but a lot can happen in the first seven, eight games of the season. So we we just need to sit back and wait to see if Jesus Aguilar is going to be on this team. And not on this team for opening day, but on this team for the long run. And that's going to be something that we're going to be continuing to uh, talk about. So just I'm ready for baseball. Thursday they open up in San Diego. They play a three-game series there. They're going to have Sunday off. And then Monday they will uh, have their home opener at Miller Park. Uh, prior to all that, they play two more exhibition games as they're going to travel to Houston and take on the defending World Series champion Astros and the uh, final kind of tune-up games. Last year, if you remember, they did that at home against the Chicago White Sox. They played a couple games at Miller Park prior to the start of the regular season. All right, so here's what we've got on the program today. We're going to do a full season preview with Adam Rigg during our social media conversation. We'll address uh, some of the Twitter comments and questions coming up in just a bit. But right now, let's get to this week's Headlines of the Week. It doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week. Headlines of the Week, we do start with injuries. Wade Miley and Boone Logan both get injured. Both will begin the season not on the uh, active 25-man roster. For Boone Logan, he is going to start out the season on the disabled list. And for Wade Miley, um, essentially he's still going to be on the minor league deal. He's going to get uh, a bit of a bonus for still being around. But he's not going to be on the 40-man roster. The, uh, the he was able to work out a deal with the Brewers, where he's going to be able to go through the rehab process and everything uh, as a member of the Brewers organization. Probably go through a minor league rehab stint and then see where things are there. He looked to be en route to taking one of the starting spots in the opening uh, opening five-man rotation. The, there's no guarantee that was going to be the case, but. All signs indicated that he was going to be on the opening day 25-man roster and part of the starting five-man rotation. Now he's just going to have to wait some time as he uh, battles through the injury. So your starting rotation, uh, you've got your, you've got the three spots that you knew exactly what they were in Chase Anderson, Zach Davies, and also Jolie Chassin. And then Brent Suter is your number four starter. Brandon Woodruff is your number five starter. I wasn't expecting Woodruff to be the number five starter. I was wrong on that. I absolutely was wrong. I thought he was going to be at AAA to start the season. He didn't put up great numbers in spring, but you know what? Credit to the Brewers because he came up last year, pitched some meaningful game for the Brewers, pitched for the most part well. He's a prospect. He's one of the top prospects in the organization, and now he's going to get an opportunity to uh, maybe not take the ball every fifth day because when they have an opportunity to maybe skip that fifth number five spot, they may take that opportunity. But he's the fifth starter, and uh, that's I think that's good for the club. Uh, Junior Garris sent down to uh, AAA. He had a good spring, had a minor league option. You would think that he'll be back up at some point over the course of the season and uh, again he he did everything he was asked of in spring it came down to a bit of a numbers crunch and I would think we'll see Junior Guerra uh, in the big leagues again I don't know if it's as a starter or if it's going to be as a bullpen guy uh, I would assume he's going to be starting at AAA and able to step in if there is a situation where they need somebody else to be uh, starting up there a big bummer for both Brett Phillips and Keon Broxton because both individuals have certainly done a lot at the big league level, more so for Keon Broxton, who was a 2020 guy last year. But we knew when the team went out and acquired um, a Lorenzo Kane and a Christian Yelich and kept Domingo Santana, and all of a sudden your four outfielders, if you include Ryan Braun, uh, when, when all that was put together, you knew it was going to be tough for either of those guys to make the opening day 25-man roster. So they'll go down to AAA. They'll get their opportunities. Uh, you, you, you always have injuries. You always have other situations. You don't know what other kind of moves might be made as the season goes along. Those guys are going to get their opportunities, but for now, uh, they are going to be sent to AAA. So uh, as they go into Houston, really, you look at a situation where three guys are still con- uh, competing for two uh, spots in the bullpen, you would think, in Oliver Drake, J.J. Hoover, and Taylor Williams 
to me, I would think it's going to be Drake and Hoover that get those spots, especially with the injury to Boone Logan. Drake is really, really good against left-handers. So even though he's not technically a left-hander, he's kind of the closest thing you have. Taylor Williams has options. He's a young guy. You can send him to AAA, and you know he can be that first bullpen guy you call up. Um, at first base, there's still a competition between Jesus Aguilar and G-Man Choi. To me, Choi is going to end up at AAA. He's on a minor league deal. Uh, I haven't read anything, and and we'll, we'll talk with Adam Rigg about this later on. I've already recorded the conversation with Adam, so I can tell you. He says that you know he hasn't seen anything either about Choi not accepting an assignment to AAA. So Aguilar will start the season in all likelihood on the 25-man roster as Brandon Woodruff will start the season as a bullpen arm for the first few days before uh, they need that fifth starter. Again, once they need that fifth starter, that's when all of a sudden the question about uh, Aguilar versus an extra arm in the bullpen and that that all plays out, and that's going to be something we'll be talking about more coming up on next week's podcast. So those are really uh, the moves to send the end individuals down and also the injuries uh, really make up this week's headlines of the week after every brewers game signing an announcement bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take now we bring them all together it's the social media roundtable and it starts now Brewers X-Trains, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile. We do continue on with the program. Very happy right now here on our season preview edition to uh, welcome in Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation, one of our uh, favorite guests to have uh, on, and we're doing a season preview edition, kind of one of our uh, benchmark programs, I guess, of the year. Got to have Adam on to help us uh, with the season preview. Adam, thank you so much for taking some time. How are you doing today? Matt, I'm good. I'm freezing cold still. I was outside for about five and a half hours today calling college baseball, uh, but they won a game, so I guess that's worth it. And we'll give we'll give a little bit of a shout out to uh, Bryant and Stratton. We both have a connection to uh, the junior college, Division II junior college playing uh, in Milwaukee, and it's the only uh, D2 junior college in Milwaukee. Um, and it's uh, they had a great basketball season, especially on the women's side, gained the national tournament. Now you're doing PA for a bunch of their baseball games, so it's cool to see how that uh, JUCO baseball program and really entire athletic department is growing. Yeah, they won their first game in program history today, first year of the baseball program, and uh, one and six now on the year, and hopefully things looking up. All right, let's uh, let's get into the Brewers, and it's been an interesting week. Uh, not everything is quite settled yet in terms of the roster. There are still some decisions to be made, but a lot of big decisions were made uh, this week. We know what the five-man rotation is going to be. We know what the final b- roster battles are going into the uh, couple games that we played in Houston. We are recording this, as always, on Sunday night, so let that be kind of the uh, date marker for people who are maybe listening to this uh, later on in the week. Let's start with the uh, five-man rotation, spots number four and five going to Brent Suter and Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff will begin the year in the bullpen because they don't need a fifth starter until the eighth game of the year. What's your takeaway from uh, from that specifically? Junior Guerra being sent down and also the situation with Wade Miley where he's injured and is going to be given some more time with the organization to get right. Yeah, first, first and foremost, uh, terrible timing for Wade Miley. He was really really pitching well this spring i thought uh he had a couple of bumps you know the one really bad start i guess but take everything in the spring with a grain of salt you don't know what he was working on or whatnot but he really came into camp ready to go hit the ground running and i think and many other people shared that sentiment uh that he was probably angling himself in for a spot in that rotation to you know start the season off it would have meant, you know, changing something up in the 40-man roster and a couple other things, you know, somebody else would have had to be optioned down. So maybe blessing in disguise in a, in a couple of certain ways, at least for the guys who otherwise weren't affected. But uh, too bad for him. And hopefully when he's able to come back healthy in six to eight weeks or whenever the general uh, time frame is for him, he'll be able to contribute this year. It would be nice to, to see them get another uh, basically a bargain you know on the on the open market somebody brought in on a minor league deal to to really assist and, and drive the team forward but um overall i think it makes sense to a degree with junior Guerra. he pitched well for the most part this spring too um but 
he did struggle a lot last year. And some of that was injury-related, of course. When he did come back and he was supposedly healthy, he did have a, a bit of a rough September. So I think it's nice to that they have an option for him, give him a chance to, to go down to the minor leagues, you know, make sure he's right, completely have his arm strength where they want it to be, and have a guy like that, an experienced guy like that, ready in case they need a, a sixth starter uh, early on in the season. You never know what can happen. And to have a guy like Junior Guerra uh, waiting in the wings like he did, hopefully, in 2016, yeah, he can hit the ground running if and when they need him. Uh, as far as Suter and Woodruff go, I think Suter did everything that he needed to do this spring to secure his spot in the rotation. And when, you know, there were some injuries in the bullpen with Boone Logan, left-hander, I heard a lot of people on uh, social media saying to me, well, maybe they put Suter in the bullpen now because he's lefty. And I thought immediately, why would you, you know, hurt your rotation to benefit your bullpen that way? If he's a, you know, if he's one of your five best starters, you let the get you let the guy start. So I think it's great that they decided to go that way. Uh, he's really worked hard this offseason by all reports and accounts coming out of Arizona. You know, he added uh, 15, roughly, 10 to 15 pounds of muscle yeah, to really hopefully up his stamina, allow him to get through the, the second time through the order really well, and hopefully even through the third time. That was kind of his bugaboo last year. So I'm interested to see uh, where he goes. He's a guy that they just can't – they can't – put him away like he keeps saying here i am notice me let me do the job and he keeps performing so i uh, want to see how he does from the jump and i'm really excited for him and, and hopeful that he uh, has a great season and, and well, with, go ahead. he is somebody too that if if he continues to have those issues especially getting through the lineup you know going in the lineup the third time and all of a sudden it does make more sense to have him available in the bullpen because he's not giving you the innings that you need out of a starter, that remains an option. And the good thing for, for Suter at this point is he seems to embrace whatever role they want him to be. And he even talked uh, at the beginning of spring training about, you know, he understood the business aspect of it and having options that if he had to spend some time in the minor leagues this year, he'd be even be okay with that. I mean, he's got the, he's got the perfect attitude. And some people might say, well, that's a guy who who doesn't want to compete? I think he's a. I think he's a really solid competitor. But I also think he, at times, he puts the team in front of himself, and that's a that's a good thing to have. Yeah, he's got that organizational guy mindset where you you get a guy like a, like a Tim Dillard, for example, who's been around the the club for a long time really understands what's going on and, and how the organization works. And he's just he's there for everybody. He helps everybody out. Suter's got that same kind of mentality, I think, where he's willing to do whatever they want him to do, whatever's best for the ball club. You hear a lot of guys say that, but I think Suter really has embraced that in his time in Milwaukee. And, you know, back and forth to Colorado Springs, was, we know what he did last year, how many times he was up and down uh, to the minor leagues. So it's, it's really nice to have those kind of guys around. Those are the glue guys that really keep a clubhouse together. And I think that you know, in his case, uh, he's shown that he's got the ability to perform as well. So hopefully it all adds up into a, a solid season. At and then where I was going, where I was going to go with Woodruff real quick is, you know, he's a, the younger guy with uh, a little bit to prove still, I think. So the fact that they're going to give him the fifth starter spot out of the gate, I think shows a lot of confidence in, in him and what he they think he can do. And it's going to be up to him to, to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. And my next question was going to be on Woodruff because uh, – I'm not. I, there's not a lot of reasons to be critical of the Brewers organization. They do a lot of things really, really well. They do most everything uh, really, really well, in, in my opinion. Uh, if there's one area that sometimes I think they struggle with, it's handing jobs to young guys and allowing them to really move forward. Uh, they did that with Orlando Arcee a couple years ago, but for the most part, it, they haven't done that quite as much. And even when Lewis Brinson was up last year, and I understand the team was trying to make it into the postseason, but you got your top prospect up there, you thought maybe they would play him a bit more, and they didn't. So that's kind of why I thought that Brandon Woodruff was going to be earmarked to AAA this year, because I thought he was going to have to fight his way into this starting rotation, and his numbers in spring were not especially good. In the big league spring training games uh, that he appeared in. He had an ERA better than seven, but he performed well enough in the big leagues last year. He is a top prospect. They're making him the number five starter, so they may skip him in the rotation. He may spend some time in the bullpen even beyond those first uh, four days of the season, but uh, 
I was wrong. I thought we were going to see him at AAA this year. He's not going to AAA. I'm glad I was wrong, Adam. I, I like seeing the organization uh, give jobs to some of these younger prospects. I agree. And, and David Stern said at some point uh, this spring when he was talking about uh, the free agent market and, and kind of looking for players and deals that he doesn't want to be blocking younger players and they, they've got confidence in the pitching that is coming and Woodruff is uh, like you said at the front end of that he's kind of the, the the head of the spear at this point with a guy like Corbin Burns behind him and Freddie Peralta behind him and, and they, they really do have confidence and and they feel good about what's coming in the uh, in the organization as far as pitching goes so yeah, it's it's great to see that they're giving another guy, a young guy, a chance to go out there and, you know, sink or swim. Let's um let's jump over to the bullpen. We'll stick with pitching and the big move for for Brewers fans this week was Giovanni Gallardo part 2 is not going to evidently happen as uh, they are going to be moving on from him uh, as we record this on Sunday night reportedly they're still trying to maybe work a deal where they're able to trade him so he's still on the 40 man roster but he's not going to be on the team uh, I, I 99% sure he's not going to be even in the organization this year uh, Adam, it would be a great story for him to be back with this team, but this team isn't about great stories. It's about winning, and quite honestly, he wasn't an arm in the bullpen that gave him the best chance as some of these other arms are. Yeah, he, he seemed to pitch a little bit better more recently, um, but as Council said multiple times this spring, you got to judge the, the whole picture that you get. Uh, much as he was saying about Wade Miley, don't just judge him on the one late start where he struggled look at the whole picture of spring training and uh, you're right Gardo didn't have the greatest spring uh, took him a little bit of time to get going and it's just a that situation in particular is a testament to the fact well two things I guess one this is a different front office Gardo was a Melvin guy he was a, a Melvin draftee um, you know he kept him around as long as he did Melvin was the one who ultimately traded him you know when uh, in my opinion that really started the the rebuilding era of the Brewers started with the trade of Giovanni Gallardo to Texas. Um, it didn't, you know, get going even more so for a little while after that. But that was really, I think, the first sign that things were going to change. But this is a different front office. And then the second thing that I think it speaks to is David Stearns. He's not cold and calculating, uh, even though that's the, the the usual idiom. But he's definitely calculating. And if he sees a guy, regardless of what the story is, regardless of how it may make fans feel and, you know, to be able to bring out their old 49 jerseys and, and wear them around the ballpark, Stearns isn't making his decisions based on that. He's making his decisions based on what he thinks will be the best 25, you know, to 35 to 40, uh, however many guys come up and down. Those best guys for the big league ball club to win games. And unfortunately, it, it seemed that Gallardo – given his salary, uh, given his performance. It just didn't fit into the scheme uh, and into the roster that they were building this year. From uh, from the competition standpoint, it looks like Oliver Drake, J.J. Hoover, Taylor Williams are competing for what will probably be two spots. And there, there's some other roster finagling that's going on. Maybe there's a chance that all three of those guys make the team, depending on what else happens. But it seems like uh, my my thought process is those two guys, those those three guys are going for two spots. I, we still have those uh, the Houston games for the Brewers to play. So there's, there's still time for guys to win jobs and everything. So as we record this right now, nothing's really settled. Uh, Taylor Williams was, has been really good in camp, not as good as most recent outing. Uh, Oliver Drake kind of serves as a left-hander in the bullpen, which even though he's not a left-hander, he's good against lefties. So with Boone Logan out for a while, he's got some value. J.J. Hoover's just been absolute nails in spring training. I would think Drake and Hoover probably make the opening day roster. Williams probably does not. That would be my guess. Do you agree, disagree? Where do you go on that? Yeah, it certainly seems that way at this point. Council said to reporters in Arizona a couple weeks ago, maybe not quite that long ago, that the plan was to go with eight relievers. And right now, Brandon Woodruff uh, has kind of taken up one of those spots as uh, a de facto reliever uh, until he's needed as a starter. Uh, but right, if we're looking at two spots here, the fact that Williams has options, the fact that they've shown that, you know, the guy like Keon Broxton, the guy like Brett Phillips, uh, Junior Guerra uh, in his own right, the guys that have options, they're going to maintain some of that depth. And I know Council just recently said that 
it's hard because some of the, the decisions they had to make this year, they were making decisions on guys that they feel are and can be major league ball players, you know, talent level wise and production level wise. So it was some tough conversations and tough decisions to make when they were you know, choosing who to send down and, and who to option and, and who wouldn't make camp or who wouldn't make the team, I should say, out of camp. So you look at all that. Taylor Williams probably ends up being the odd man out. He's got a big arm, a big fastball. He's really taken well, I think, to the transition to the bullpen. And he could definitely be a weapon down the road. But I think you're right. With lacking the extra lefty, that kind of being Drake's specialty, regardless of how uh, Drake had a little bit of an up-and-down season last year, he's on the team, he's out of options, uh, and that maintains some of that depth. So that's what I think you're looking at. And like you said, J.J. Hoover is on a minor league deal. Um, I think that he'll take the spot when Gardo does come off the 40-man roster. I think that spot will go to Hoover. And I think that's the only 40-man move they're going to have to make at this point. Um, but then, yeah, you've got uh, then probably the, the one-position player spot. Um, but, yeah, the, the roster's taking shape, and you know, two more games in Houston to decide things. We'll get to the uh, the Aguilar versus Choi thing here uh, in a moment, but let's start uh, going around on the position player side of things. And at catcher, we know Manny Pena is going to get probably the the majority of games. Jet Bandy is going to make the team. Stephen Vote will begin the season on the disabled list. Uh, there's there seems to be kind of some questions on Vote on when he's going to be able to come back. He tried to come back. He had a he had a setback. And, and anytime you hear about an injury where there's a setback, uh, for me at least, I always go well until there is a, a definitive timetable on when this guy is going to be available i don't even talk timetables because he's already had one setback we don't know what's going to happen from here so with, with vote on the disabled list and and who knows when uh he's going to be wearing a brewer's uniform are you confident in the uh in the tandem of uh, manny pena and jet bandy yeah i think so um more confident this year than i was last year at this time we didn't really know much about either guy Really, uh, Pena had had a, a small taste with the team, and Bandy was new to the organization and came with a good reputation, a good defensive catcher, and um, things like that, called a good game. But we didn't really know what to expect. And Bandy got off to a great start offensively last year, cooled off fairly quickly. Um, but I, I think around the end of April, he had kind of lost himself to play it a little bit. But Pena really stepped up, really uh, flourished and showed that not everybody has to come up at 23, 24 years old and and hit the ground running. They can some guys take a little bit longer to to get their sea legs under them, so to speak. So I'm really confident with the the group that they have right now. Uh, I think Vote is going to add a lot, even on the DL, helping guys prepare, helping keep the clubhouse loose, uh, and helping those guys you know keep their minds right. Both got that that veteran experience that can be invaluable to a team, especially a team like the Brewers that continues to have a decent amount of younger guys in the clubhouse, uh, notwithstanding the couple of veterans, the couple of established major league guys they had at this offseason in the outfield. Uh, but a guy like Votes, um, even if he's not playing, he's going to contribute, and that's important too. But no, yeah, uh, Pena and Bandy, I think, are going to be a good pair. And while we, I would expect Pena to get the bulk of the of the playing time. I would say we're probably looking at maybe seven out of ten games, six out of six out of ten games um, as a split. Uh, they, uh, they're going to want to keep Pena's legs fresh and to keep his bat right, and I think Bandy uh, does a good job when he's in there. And Bandy, as much as he struggled in the second half of the season last year, he was really good in the first half. People forget uh, he was he was basically the starting catcher when the season began last year. He was the he was the catcher position for the Brewers on the All Star ballot. I mean that was the guy getting the bulk. So if if he has a repeat this year of last year, he would have a good start to the season. So maybe that's another reason to be optimistic about Jet Bandy. He's already had a good start to the season in the big leagues. Yeah, yeah. Let him let him get off to the good start again, and uh, maybe if he does repeat all of last season, it does cool off. Maybe he votes ready to come back by then. And yeah, they got some they got some things they can manipulate with that group. They got a guy like Christian Bethencourt, who's got you know came with a, a nice pedigree when he was drafted originally. Um, it's another guy that's that's backing things up right now. So yeah, I think they got a good group overall. Uh, at first base, there's there, there's really two different storylines. There's the um, the ongoing roster battle for kind of the backup, backup possibly with uh, Jesus Aguilar and G-Man Choi. But then uh, the more compelling narrative at this point is how much 
time at first base are we going to see from Ryan Braun? Uh, evidently, he is going to be the opening day first baseman, going to play first a lot against left-handers. Just what? what's your expectation about Ryan Braun at first base and really when all is said and done, how much time we actually see him over there? Uh, yeah, I, I think first and foremost, um, and Council said it too, so it's easy to echo him being that he's the manager and he makes this decision, but I never really expected Braun to cut too much into Thames' playing time. And most pitchers in baseball, in the world, um, that, that throw a ball around, most people are right-handed. So the fact that Thames is the left-handed side of any platoon, soft, hard, you know, however you know strict the platoon is, Thames is going to get the vast majority of the play appearances uh, defensively at first base. That said, you mentioned it that Ryan Braun is most likely going to be the opening day first baseman, which is a little bit weird. Um, and he may end up being the, the Brewers' first baseman choice on, on the all-star ballot, which will be kind of funny to see. Um, but, yeah, with Clayton Richard on the mound, it just makes sense. Uh, Thames hasn't done the best job against left-handed pitchers, you know, looking at his numbers last year. And, and it's it is it's a season worth of sample size but it's still not that big of a sample size if you look at how many overall plate appearances he got versus lefties so you know they think they know what they got in him though and they're willing to that's why they kind of went this way with braun and i think that he braun's going to give him quality innings over there um we know what he's going to do with the bat if he's healthy and braun has mentioned this spring that you know the the bending and the the bending over and the stretching for uh, you know for infield throws and things like that that's he's got to pay extra attention to his surgically repaired back and that's no joke he's you know it's something he's gonna have to do extra maintenance on i mean we see what he does after most normal games when he's in the outfield the, the way he ices his back and takes care of himself so it's gonna have to be i think extra diligent about that kind of thing when he's working at first base but i, I think the overall amount of time we'll see him there I would say probably, assuming a, a one out of every five starts is a left-handed pitcher, we'll probably see Braun, you know, at least half of those at first base. He's going to end up starting in the outfield plenty, I think, this year. I, th I think the majority of Ryan Braun's starts are going to be in left field. Um, and in those situations, you know, we'll, we'll see who needs the day off. If Kane needs a day off, you know, you put Yelich in center. Santana plays in right. If Santana needs the day off, then Yelich plays in right and Kane plays in center. So having four primary outfielders, uh, you know, including Braun in that group, I think there's a way, plenty of ways to get enough at-bats for everybody uh, going into the season. And I see where you're going. I, th I think I disagree with you a little bit, and here's where my disagreement would come. Let's let, And let's go to a scenario that let's say he starts at first base all games against left-handers. Let's say not even half. Let's say it is a it's a hard platoon. So he's at first base against all left-handers. Then you work in the days off that he's going to get, and I think the team should be more liberal with his days off this year than they were last year. I think they overplayed him a little bit at the beginning of last season because he came in feeling so healthy coming off that good year the year before. Uh, I think they'd be better to go back to kind of the plan that they had two seasons ago on how often to play him, and then he plays in left field on the days that Yelich, uh, Kane, or Santana needs a day off Adam, I still don't feel like that adds up to quite enough starts for, for Ryan Braun. <clears throat> well, I mean, overall games played, you, you got to look at what you expect to get out of Ryan Braun. And unfortunately, the last several years, even last year with the amount of time he spent in the DL, you know, kind of taken out of that mix, he's giving you about 130 to 140 starts. Uh, I mean, maybe games played. And he said he wanted to get back up over the 150 mark. Uh, it's it may not be realistic to expect that anymore um so i don't know what you're looking for as far as how many starts you want him to make uh, can we assume that he'll be healthy for the full season i don't think we can at this point um with braun and it, it sucks to say as a fan of his but i think you have to prepare for the fact that he's going to probably spend at least maybe not the disabled list but at least you know one stretch of 10 days where he's not playing much because he's got something banged up uh, something that doesn't allow him to perform at his best. So, you know, you look at that, I, I still think that he's going to – I don't think Braun's going to suffer for games played overall. I think that 
if there's one guy in that group of four outfielders who's going to lose games, it's going to be Domingo Santana. So if Braun's not playing in left and not playing at first, um, you know, or I should say if he is playing in left field and not playing at first, then of those three out of those four outfielders, it's going to be Santana. I think that loses the games. So if let's let's put one let's uh, the number I like is one thirty. If 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 you can get a hundred and thirty starts out of Ryan Braun. I am good, and I actually think you get more production out of Ryan Braun in 130 starts than you do out of 150. I just don't think his body at this point can can hold up completely. So do you think that you can get 130 starts out of Braun in the scenario that we're talking about, assuming he's healthy the whole season? We're, we're going with that. If he's healthy the whole season, can, can you get 130 starts out of him? I think so. Um, it really depends on what they want to do with Domingo Santana, I guess, at the end of the day. In, in my brain, um, I don't think Santana suffers too much for taking the extra couple of days off here and there. Um, Santana finally broke out last year offensively, in part because he was finally healthy enough to play, uh, you know, in, enough games to do that. He still struck out a ton. Um, he still doesn't play tremendous defense by any stretch in right field. He's got a great arm um, once he gets to the ball. Uh, but I think there's going to be a lot of scenarios where. You could even see Ryan Braun, you know, start the game at uh, first base and uh, shift to the outfield. Or late in games, um, you may see Ryan Braun go play left field and Yellich switch over to right in a double switch. So Ryan Braun may not get 130 starts, but he may very well get 130 games played and not just talking about a pinch hit appearance either. So, uh, you know, it's I think there's different you know machinations of, of how you put it all together and, and how you can, you know, get those games together and, get up to your you know whatever count you're looking for be 130 or more but you know for me i I still think that we see ryan brown in the outfield more than we see in the first fair enough let's uh the other the other first baseman they're they're competing for a roster spots and jesus aguilar and and g-man Choi. Choi's kind of forced the issue in terms of his spring training performance i don't see much of a shot that he's going to make it onto the 25-man roster to open the season but he's definitely made an impact uh, for Aguilar, though, if he does make the roster, there's no guarantee that he's even on the roster eight days later once they need uh, a fifth starter, depending if they bring up an- another bullpen arm. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Brandon Woodruff. How do you see the whole Jesus Aguilar, G-Man Choi versus extra bullpen arm thing really playing out through the first week, week and a half of the season? Yeah, that's definitely one of the, the pending questions here as the season gets going. And, and like you said, in eight days, ten days, whatever it is, uh, when the season actually starts and, you know, they need that fifth starter, who's to say? Somebody could be hurt by then. Uh, it could be somebody who just, you know, is completely ineffective. Like, uh, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. The relief pitcher that was up for one game, he pitched opening day, and they, and they cut him from the team basically immediately after that. Um, the third guy in the, in the Angels trade with Segura doesn't matter point is um it'll come to me later i'm sure but the point is you never know what can happen uh there could be a reason that they cut somebody else that somebody else needs to be optioned that somebody gets hurt and aguilar may end up being here up here all season that said at this point i think they would love to have that type of right-handed power as a a bench option as a reserve option as somebody that can you know be your go-to guy late in the game and there's a roster crunch. If they go with eight relievers, um, even if they, depending on what they have in the bullpen, you know, before Woodruff and then once Woodruff joins the rotation, they have to make those decisions. And uh, to get it out of the way on, on Choi, yeah, he's played very well, but he's in camp on a minor league deal. And like you said, he's not making the 40-man roster. I, I think there's a guy that is going to provide them excellent depth and somebody that they can turn to if they need to kind of a situation. There's been no reports of, a, of an opt-out for Choi. Um, but with Aguilar, it's tricky. He's out of minor league options, which is how they got him in the first place because the Indians had to put him on waivers and the Brewers were able to claim him. But they like him. He's a great clubhouse guy. He's a quality bat, a lot of power. He's uh, slimmed down a little bit this year uh, weight-wise from all reports. I haven't seen him yet uh, personally, but that's the report out of Arizona. And I think they would like to see what he's able to do, but it is. It would be a limited role. Uh, with Ryan Braun getting starts against left-handed starters at first base, uh, the opportunities for Aguilar will be fewer and farther between 
uh, than he would probably like and that anybody would have expected, you know, before this offseason started. He got, what, like 330 at-bats, I think, last year? And there's only so many to go around. And like you said, uh, with Braun taking some of those, you know, it, it makes for a tough situation. And can, can the Brewers justify keeping Aguilar on the roster if he's not going to contribute? That's what it comes down to. Let's jump over to second base where you really got three guys who will probably see some time there, Jonathan VR, Eric Sogard, and Hernan Perez. Uh, and this, to me, this is probably a situation where guys are earning playing time uh, during the course of the year. Uh, VR's had a pretty good spring, and that's good to see. And you hope that he can return to his form from two years ago, but there's no guarantee on that. You kind of know what you have with Sogard. If you play Perez a lot at second, uh, you lose the opportunity to bring him off the bench late in games, although you, you can still double switch him and you know put him in a different position on a on a double switch or what, whatever it might be. You know, even if he's playing at second, doesn't mean he has to finish the game uh, playing at second base. But do you agree? Is this kind of a position where you go with the hot hand, the hot bat at any given moment? Yeah, it seems to be the one position um, right now in the lineup that affords that opportunity. And with a guy like VR who was so up and down last year, mostly down, admittedly, but he did have a couple of short stretches, abbreviated stretches, where he was uh, hitting the ball better. But he's the type of guy that when he's right, he's the guy you want in there. Uh, he's dynamic. He can affect the game in so many ways positively uh, when he's going well at the plate. So I still feel like he's going to get the majority of the time. But again, he can definitely fall into a platoon that he fell into last year with Eric Sogard when he first came up from the minor leagues and just like gangbusters hit the ground. Uh, you know, I should say hit the ball with authority all, all over the ballpark, hitting home runs, winning games. You know, doing his thing and really contributing until he got hurt and you know came back. We all know the story about last year, but you know you've got a couple of guys there that could platoon. But again, you want I think VR if he's right, he's the guy you want in there. And you mentioned it his his spring training stats this year. Again, small sample size qualifier. We all know that. But uh, what was it? I think 47 at bats. I don't know if he played today. I was, like I said, I was busy with the, the college game, so maybe he played today. And I don't know the stats from there. But he had like 14 hits and 47 at bats, a couple of steals. I mean, on base 389 entering the day. So really doing what they need him to do. Um, you know, they say about spring training baseball. It doesn't matter if you win, but you still rather win than lose. Yeah, and all the stats reset to zero. You know, come April second or uh, March 29th, rather home opener to April second. Um, but once opening day hits, all the stats reset to zero. But again, you'd still rather have a better performance in spring training than not have a good performance in spring training. So, but you compare VR uh, to last year, and <coughs> excuse me, uh, but you got a guy who. Last spring, hit 190, you know, with a 292 on base and a 262 slugging in spring in 42 at bats. And this year in 47 at bats, you know, you get the 298, 398, 404 slash. That's so much more encouraging um, from where he was a year ago. And even where he was in 2016, he didn't have a good spring that year either. Um, But you'd rather have him do better, get that confidence going early. And hopefully, if he gives them. You know, 60% of what he was in 2016 regular season, then this lineup goes from looking pretty strong to darn near lethal. The least compelling narratives in terms of who's going to be playing the position is at shortstop and third base, where you know you have Orlando Arcee and you know you have Travis Shaw. R.C. had a nice spring. You hope that he can uh, take a step forward offensively from what he did last year. Obviously showed some flashes. At times he struggled with the bat. Uh, uh, want, want him to make the uh, the routine play a little bit more routine. Sometimes it's short. We know that he can make that high-level play as good as any shortstop in all of baseball. At third base, you hope that Travis Shaw, uh, you know, you'd love to see him repeat last year. At the very least, you don't want him to take any sort of major step back and continue to be that big uh, middle-of-the-order guy. Do you have anything more to add about either of those two guys? Uh, Hopefully not. Uh, Hopefully you get another couple of steps forward from Arcia. I mean, what he did from the beginning of last season to the end of last season, if you look at his month-by-month splits – his second half of the year, uh, August and September in particular, were dynamite at the plate. 
And if he's able to grow uh, that much more in, in 2018, we know what he can do on defense, like you said. And, uh, you know, steadier on the, the easy routine stuff, um, you know, that can he can definitely improve there a little bit. But he's just been so, so good early on. And uh, there's so much, uh, so much promise in his game at such a young age that you can dream big on a guy like Arcia. And it's, you know, you, you've seen flashes and you've start, started to see the consistency a little bit more last year. And uh, this, there's a reason that this guy was touted as a top prospect for a couple of years on his way through the minors. So, uh, and then on Shaw, again, yeah, his, they called him uh, vanilla, you know, in his consistency last year. And they, they said it was exactly what you wanted. You know, you always get what you get from Shaw, uh, and you know what you're going to get from Shaw, and he's just consistent day in and day out. He, he shows up, he delivers. And if he's healthy and able to, again, be the steady force in the middle of the lineup, you know what you're getting, and you can count on it. And if there's one thing in baseball that you want, uh, it, it's to know what you can count on. You want cost certainty in your payroll and in your, your contracts and in you know, what you're paying players. You'd love to get... A closer who always comes in and gets the job done. You'd love to get a guy that you know what you're getting at the plate and what you can you can look at the back of the baseball card and say, okay, this is what I can expect, and, and here we go. We touched a lot on the outfield stuff when we were talking about Ryan Braun. So just kind of quickly, this group, including Braun, but then uh, the other individuals with Yelich and Kane and Santana, this group has the chance to put up really special numbers, don't they? I think so. Um, we have remains to be seen a little bit with Santana. We did mention that was his first real breakout season. Um, some people think it could be a career season. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I think he's got uh, you know more of that in him. Hopefully, cuts down on the strikeouts a little bit and it can make more consistent contact, which should uh, lead to a little bit more consistent results. But yeah, this this group defensively. Um, with the additions of Kane and Yelich in particular, it should be uh, that much more, just so much more improved, helping the, the pitching staff out, uh, converting outs into outs. Uh, Broxton was very good running down balls, and Phillips, who saw his arm in his limited time. Um, but Braun is he's average, you know, slightly above average in certain ways in the outfield. And we mentioned before that Santana's got the arm um, in right field, but Kane and Yelich are both uh, top-flight defensive players that are really going to be really going to be something special. I think uh, this this group, and then offensively, you, know, you look at what Kane and Yelich, in, in particular, what they bring to uh, the base running game, uh, the ability to steal bases, and not just steal bases, but at a at a very high clip. Uh, the Marlins don't run a whole lot, so we didn't see much of the volume from Yelich. But uh, his stolen base percentage, as far as you know, not getting thrown out, his success rate, very, very high. And I think Lorenzo Cain, too, I want to say he had 29 steals against two catches last year, two caught stealings, something like that, somewhere in the 20s, uh, 26 to 29, somewhere in there. I forget the exact number, but he was in the upper 20s, and he only got caught stealing twice. So those are guys that they can just add that extra element to uh, a baseball game and, and give the other team fits. And you put that group at the top of the lineup, um, you know, Kane and Yelich, I expect to hit one and two most days that they're playing together. And then Braun and Shaw, you hope know, for that consistency through the middle. And this really could be a dangerous outfield in particular, just offensively, defensively, that it could really be the, the rock that this team built itself on. The guys who kind of lose out by the acquisitions of Yelich and Kane are a couple guys you've mentioned in Keon Broxton and Brett Phillips. They both get optioned down to AAA. You would think that they will certainly both be in Milwaukee at some point over the course of the year. For Phillips, at the end of last year, you thought he was really kind of on the path to become, if not an everyday outfielder, certainly somebody who was part of a rotation. Keon Broxton, a very streaky player, but coming off a, a 2020 season. And now, really, these guys' ability to help this team is probably dependent upon people getting injured. Yeah, uh, it, it could end up being that way. You may see say one of the middle infielders goes down 
then maybe they get uh, an outfielder up if they want, you know, so, some base running ability. Or maybe if Sogard goes down, they want a left-handed bat off the bench, or they go and get Phillips from the minors, something like that. But, yeah, it, it seems that those guys are going to have to bide their time in AAA, and uh, there should definitely going to be opportunities. You know, there was talk for, for a while if they decided to go with uh, only seven bullpen arms, could they keep uh, a, a fifth outfielder, you know, maybe a guy like Broxton who can play defensively everywhere, or, or Phillips who's got even more experience in the corners than Broxton does. Uh, but I, I think this makes sense. Both of those guys have an option. They can go down to AAA, start every day, play every day, you know, maintain that confidence level, be ready if they're called upon. Uh, we, we saw too much streakiness. He is the first one to admit it himself in Broxton but just too much streakiness last year. He wants to become a more consistent player. And with this team's expectations raised, you know, 86 wins last year, what can be the limit this year? You don't want to have a guy search for that consistency at the big league level if you can avoid it. So hopefully if they need to call on him, he's ready to be in the middle of a hot streak. And and those guys will will, they'll, they'll get their chances, I think. It's rare in this day and age especially uh, to see a team – maintain no call-ups in minor leagues at a certain position. So I think both of those guys will, will get some of their some of their time up here this year. And, you know, in Brett Phillips' case, let me just say this too, he really opened some eyes last year. There was uh, there were some doubts about him after his 2016 season in the minor leagues. Uh, he did not have a good offensive year at du- uh, AA Biloxi. And there was, you know, there was a little bit of concern. Uh, maybe not concern is the right word, but a little bit of wondering what they had in him. They challenged him by putting him at AAA. He responded well, and we know what he did when he came up to the big leagues. You know, struggled early, but really found his feet. So this is a team that's got not just depth, but quality depth. And the type of guys, those are the type of guys Council was talking about, like I mentioned before, when he said, you know, you've got guys that could be major league players that we have to send down to the minors. And those two in particular, I think, are Broxton and Phillips, um, they're, they're good enough to be here, and I think they'll they'll be here at some point. And not that they would not have made the Yelich trade, because I think they would have no matter what, but Phillips' performance last year in September probably made them breathe a little easier about giving away Lewis Brinson. Yeah, I, I think you're right. They they saw an opportunity in Yelich, and Stearns is, you know, since they got him, he's made no secret about it. The fact that they've coveted Yelich for a couple of years now as a front office is a guy that they targeted that, hey, if this guy ever becomes available, holy crap, let's go, let's do everything we can to get him. And he was available this offseason. Uh, you know, the, the, the price was steep, uh, including the top prospect at the time in Brinson. And, but yeah, having a guy like Phillips be able to be put on display and have a chance to, to show what he can do and, and answer that bell, it absolutely makes you feel more comfortable about trading another guy at that position. All right, so uh, season is getting underway here in just a few days. They'll wrap up the exhibition play in Houston. They then play a weekend series in San Diego to start the year, an off day on Easter Sunday, which is kind of nice. And then uh, they'll get uh, opening the home opener uh, taken care of on uh, on Monday. Uh, Adam, before I, if people are listening to this, they probably already follow you on Twitter. But uh, that being said, uh, if folks follow you on Twitter, uh, what's the uh, what will you be doing throughout the course of uh, Brewer season that folks? Will be able to enjoy yeah if you if you follow at brewer nation no s just at brewer nation um chances are you'll see a lot of in-game commentary um i try to stay away from the play-by-play uh, unless there's something in particular that happens that's uh noteworthy or fun and, you know I'll, I'll call out some home runs and things like that and some big plays but uh basically just trying to give fans something to follow along with as they're watching the game be it in person, on TV, uh, just get a, a voice out there and a perspective that, you know, I, I'm a fan first and, and I'm a fan at my core. And uh, the Brewer Nation account, yeah, I write for FanRag Sports and, you know, I, I have my blog and I do the stuff that I do. But first and foremost, I've been a fan of this team for as long as I can remember. So I just try to, you know, provide some commentary, help put things into scope. Um, help people understand why d- decisions were made or, or why a certain scenario you know was handled the way that it was help people try to see the the manager's point of view and uh, you know help people not form opinions but help them understand 
why a differing opinion may exist and why something may have happened the way that it did. So I, I try to take that look on everything. Some people say I'm overly positive on Twitter in particular. Uh, and I'd always tell them, hey, if you listen to me on the podcast or on the radio, um, when I do spots, I'm more critical that way. But in the moment, there's so much negativity on Twitter uh, in, in, in particular about any little thing that goes wrong. So I try to help people you know, take that step back from the ledge and explain what, what goes on and uh, you know, why something may have been the way that it is. And, you know, if, if something is completely inexplicable and it just there's no way to, to, to wrap my head around it, then, you know, I'll be the I'll, I'll be right there calling it out with everybody else. But, you know, it, for for me, it's it's daily commentary, it's daily updates, line up every day, uh, final game score every day. So I try to just be a resource for people. I try to be interactive and give people what they would hope to have out of somebody, you know, being being as close as I am to the team, uh, just somebody that you know, pays attention and wants to, to have that Brewer chatter with people uh, over the Internet. Follow him on Twitter at uh, Brewer Nation. As he mentioned, uh, singular on Brewer, at Brewer Nation. Uh, he is Adam Rigg, and he runs the Brewer Nation. Adam, always appreciate your time. Thanks for taking some ex- extended time with us today as we uh, went around the entire roster to uh, preview things and look forward to uh, seeing you at the ballpark real soon. Looking forward to it, Matt. Absolutely. Uh, can't wait to get started here in the, the championship season of 2018. And you didn't ask me, so if I can put you on the spot before I leave, if you haven't mentioned it yet on the show, I know we kind of record these in sections, but what's your prediction for the record this year? Oh, gosh. You know what? I haven't even thought that through completely yet. I'm just off the top of my head right now. I guess my, I guess my kind of internal question is do they get to 90? That would be... Um, that that's that's kind of my over under personally for for the team. Are they a, are they a ninety win team this year? I, I think they do. I'll go ninety one. I'll go ninety one wins. For is that okay. too much? My gosh, I I feel like I'm being <laughs> this uh this super Homer Brewers guy. Um, you know, I'll just put well, it right at ninety. I'll go ninety. They they'll be a ninety one team. How about that? That's fair, and, and this is why I mentioned it, because this is the way I, cause I'm trying to come up with my own number, and, and I'll put it out on social media. I'll, I'll be on the record before the season starts, but this is what I'm thinking. They won 86 games last year, right? Yeah. And this was a team that had Tommy Malone in the rotation to open the season and had Matt Garza do what Garza did throughout the course of the year, which was struggle most of the time. Had Zach Davies get off to a pretty subpar start to start the season last year. Had Jimmy Nelson end up missing a month at the end of the year? Had Chase Anderson miss a month during the middle of the year? Had Neftali Feliz blowing games more often than he blew his nose you know, in the early part of the season? All that went wrong. Jonathan VR was terrible. They lost Junior Guerra on opening day, and this team won 86 games. Granted, a lot of things went right. Shaw was a revelation. Anderson, when he was in their pitch to you know, a career year, um, you had Manny Pena, not coming out of nowhere, but doing more than you expected. Um, so all that stuff working together, stuff balances itself out. But no, I also think that this team, especially with the offensive audition, uh, auditions, offensive additions of Kane and Yelich, I think this team wins more games than it did last year. So I'm thinking right around that 90 win mark, too. I'll probably end up going 90-91 myself. Um, but it's it's interesting. I think this team really has some room for improvement that way. Yeah, I, I would agree. In fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna go 91. I'm gonna, after everything you just said. I'm pushing it to 91. I like it. Okay, confidence. Very good, Adam. Thanks so much for your time. We'll talk again real soon. All right, man. That was Adam Rigg, and we appreciate him taking a few moments of time with us. Uh, good stuff from him. All right, I said I did. I would do this. Let's go through uh, some of the questions we got uh, before we uh, get out of here. I put out a. Uh, it's not. Uh, is it a mail? I don't know if it's a Twitter mailbag. I don't know what to call. It, but throw out some uh, an opportunity for you to ask some questions. I'll do this on occasion uh, if we want to do it. So uh, Sean tweets in asking: uh, Is G-Man Choi a more versatile alternative that has options to Jesus Aguilar? Um, I just I I think I think Choi's going to go to AAA. He put up really good numbers this year at uh, in spring training, and he's got obviously a major league pedigree. He's put up some good numbers at the big leagues. He was signed to provide some organizational depth. He always seemed to be somebody that would end up at AAA, and it's just um, uh, if a situation presents itself 
where you need somebody with his skill set, he gets called up. But I, I don't think that he's going to be on the uh, opening day uh, roster. And uh, Scott also asked that question, will uh, G-Man Choi accept his minor league assignment? I think he will. Um, I absolutely think he will. Uh, asked if uh, Nick Franklin played his way onto the Brewers. Nick Franklin put up really good numbers, and uh, good for him for doing that. Uh, again, I, I think you kind of look at him very much the same way that you look at G-Man Choi. This is a guy that uh, provides some depth, impressed the big league staff uh, during the course of spring training, but I, I don't think he makes it onto the big league opening day roster. 361 uh, average in 21 major league spring training games, two home runs, nine RBIs, a 415 on base, and OPS better than one. It was 1.054, so really good numbers for Nick Franklin, and, and good for him for being able to do that. Just in all likelihood, uh, this is not a guy that you're going to see in the big leagues uh, at, the, uh, at the beginning of the season. Been asked about uh, the base paths and what uh, it's going to look like in terms of uh, stolen bases and you know having the solid one through four at the plate affecting the strategy. I think the point he's making is it seems like there's more personnel to steal bases, but when you steal bases, there's also some risk to it, twofold. One, you can lose potential runs slash runners off the bases, um, and two, sometimes you open up first base for a really good hitter. All that being said, I, th I think the stolen base numbers are going to be up. Part of that is based off, I'm, I'm kind of high on Jonathan VR right now. Uh, he put up good numbers in spring, and he had a down season last year. I don't know if he repeats the season that he had from two years ago, but I think he has somewhat of a back uh, bounce-back season this year. And VR can obviously be an elite stolen base kind of guy. So I think we're going to see more stolen bases out of VR this year. You add um, Lorenzo Cain, who can, who's very good on the bases, uh, you go out there and you get Christian Yelich as well, and I think I think you look at those three guys, and those three guys alone have the ability to steal some bases. So um, uh, we'll see if uh, it's a, it's an interesting point. I don't know if I'm reading too much into Ben's question or not. Um, that it's, but it's what's interesting to me is how aggressive are they on the bases? Because when the offense struggled at times, I think they had to be overly aggressive to try to force players into scoring position kind of on the chance that they would get a hit out of that. Well, now you're probably not going to be quite as much in that same sort of situation, so are they as aggressive? I, I think Jonathan VR is always going to be a really aggressive base dealer. Now, sometimes you have to put the red light up. There's obvious situations where you don't want him stealing. Yeah, if, he's on at, uh, if he's on at second base and there's nobody out, and you got one of your big hitters at the plate. Obviously, you don't want him recording that first out over a third. So you, you, you got to be careful. Uh, I, I don't think this team is going to be less aggressive, at least to start things out. But then again, if they are as good of an offensive club as we think they possibly could be with those two additions, assuming nobody else takes a, a huge step back, then maybe you don't run quite as much because you're not in a situation where you absolutely have to. All right, so that is, uh, that's pretty much going to do it for this week's edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. Do want to say thank you once again to uh, Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation for uh, spending so much time with us. We are recording this on Sunday night. This is what the next week or so looks like, and for the first time, we get to talk about uh, games that matter. They are just about to that point. They have wrapped up the Arizona portion of spring training. They have two more exhibition games that are going to take place on Monday and Tuesday. They are going to play uh, in Houston. Then on Wednesday, uh, they will uh, they'll have a day off. They're going to play that game on Tuesday is an afternoon game in Houston. So I would assume that they're going to travel out of Houston on Tuesday, get into San Diego Tuesday night, have the day off Wednesday, maybe have some sort of workout, and then. They will open up the season on Thursday afternoon in San Diego against the Padres. That will be the Padres' home opener. 
Uh, the rest of the weekend looks like this. They will play a 9-10 game, all these times Central, on Friday, and then they will play a 7-40 game on Saturday in San Diego. We'll have the Brewers extra in its postgame show on WTMJ after uh, both the Friday and Saturday games. On Sunday, they will have the day off, and then they will open up the uh, home portion of the regular season on Monday the 2nd. Uh, when they take on the Cardinals for a 1-10 start. That's going to be Zach Davies on the mound there in the home opener. Three games against the Cardinals, four games against the Cubs on the opening homestand to get things rolling. Of course, you can listen to all the games uh, on 620 WTMJ. And uh, don't forget, not only is uh, WTMJ available to you at 620 on the AM radio dial across almost all of the state of Wisconsin and into some other states as well, Illinois, Michigan, Indiana. Uh, now, if you are in the Milwaukee metro area, you can also listen to a simulcast of uh, WTMJ on the FM dial at 103.3 FM. Again, I hope you join me for uh, Brewers Extra Innings, our post-game show after most of the Brewers games on uh, WTMJ. And we'll talk to you next week with another edition of this podcast. This has been Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast for powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.